Change is good. You go first. I saw that on a guy's t-shirt while waiting for a shuttle bus at the airport. We were going to our rental cars. And it struck me how ironic his shirt's message was. We had just stepped off of airplanes, flying through time and space together like Flash Gordon. We're surrounded by change. We were change, personified. Then the shuttle bus arrived, and it wasn't Dave driving. Nice, friendly Dave. It was someone else I didn't know. I asked the driver how Dave was, and the driver didn't even know him. I miss Dave. I'm Ansie McLean, and this is Resisting Enlightenment. This is the podcast that unwisely revisits our most embarrassing, awkward moments and offers nothing but impotent commiseration. The Amish are having problems, severe health problems. After generations of isolation and breeding within a very small pool of humans, they're dying early and tragically of very serious, rare diseases virtually unknown to the rest of the world. It took a small-town doctor to find this out and report it to the world. In a recent article in USA Today, James DeLean has been treating an Amish village in Lafarge, Wisconsin, since 1983, and has uncovered some of the dangers of what living in a small, insular community can bring. Amish certainly aren't the only ones in danger of this. Small communities around the world have similar threats to their insular existence. Small polygamist communities in the American West, usually branched off from the Mormons, are experiencing birth defects and diseases unknown to the rest of us. Other villages around the world, divided by mountains and harsh terrain, have lived this way out of sheer helplessness to break out of the mold. But it's those who do so voluntarily, with a world around them, open to them freely, that is the most unsettling to me. These communities isolate themselves from the outside world, putting up barriers of fear and neuroses out of ideologies and belief systems that were originally designed to protect themselves from the outside world, but eventually, and ironically, end up destroying from within. It's as if nature, by its very design, wants us, encourages us, to break out of our comfort zones and experience the diverse expanse of this life, to know the world beyond our own boundaries. Our own existence depends on it. The lack of exposure to otherness can be detrimental to our health on every level. We can equate this easily to creativity in our life and work as artists. Imagine if Picasso had not exposed himself to African art or Japanese art, movements and styles that were like taking place continents away, along with 
perhaps the even more elusive finger paintings of innocent children in his own backyard, if he hadn't opened himself to all of it, he would never have been Picasso. When left to our own narrow-minded devices, we will contract diseases of inactivity, sterility, defects of birth by our own lack of desire for anything new or different than what we already know. The art and music worlds are rife with these examples. Artists who've just been ripping themselves off for decades, cranking out the same tomes with their limited vocabulary and lack of depth. Now, there is comfort in this for many people. You'll hear folks say, I know what I'm getting when I buy this band's music, or this artist's music, or this artist's book, this writer's collection of poetry. There are no surprises. Change is good. You go first. And yet other artists reinvent themselves so often they're virtually unrecognizable from decade to decade. And to the music as comfort food enthusiast, this can probably be exhausting. And a lot of folks don't like it. I guess I can understand that. But I recently bought a favorite artist's latest album. And after three tracks, I caught myself wondering if I had already bought this album, like back in 1995. I had to double check. I've always loved this guy, but he's repeating himself a lot. And it kind of bummed me out. So jumping the walls, flexing new muscles, breaking through barriers, getting out of our comfort zones, it's all good for us. It's healthy. The world's coming to an end, so the stories go. Every generation thinks they're the ones to watch it blow. Socrates said it back in 399 BC. But the world's still spinning, hanging on to you and me. Buy the popcorn and take your seat There's a big old world underneath your feet If you're thinking what you're building will be obsolete Or you're wrong Sing a happy song Let's sing a happy song To fill your head with lies But there's a lot of good stuff out there Just gotta open your eyes Bad stuff will blow through town Like a good strong rain And you'll wake up in the morning And the birds will be chirping again Just take a deep breath and hold Grab on to something and ride out the wind Thinking you'll never see the sun again Well, you're wrong Sing a happy song 
another happy song. Well, you painted yourself into a corner pretty good this time. You got nowhere to turn and you're wondering which wall to climb. So you messed up a little, ain't nothing new. But you'll rise above it, hey, you always do. You're thinking it's the last mess you'll get into. A happy song, sing a happy song, sing a happy song. Let the whole world hear your laughter. They might even wanna laugh along. Let them hear you in the ever after. Let's sing another happy song. Another happy song Another happy song Another happy song As human animals, <laughs> there's a big part of who we are that depends on stability. It's true. But while it's ingrained in us to put down roots, our urges to wander and explore are just as strong, perhaps stronger. If you are lucky enough to have fond memories of your childhood, then you see it as a time and a space inhabited by people you loved, who loved you, and they are no longer with us. Our grandparents, parents, aunts and uncles who've passed on, and if we're honest with ourselves, it still feels weird or foreign not to have them here. Our impermanence is a quandary to us because everything around us seems so solid, permanent. The ground we stand on, the trees above our heads, the sky, it's always been there, always will be. Yet the most important things, the people who make us who we are, come and go like the wind. They whistle through us, eventually leaving only echoes. But they will always be here. And it's this sense of our impermanence growing stronger as we get older that causes us to fear the unknown, to cling to whatever seemingly permanent thing we can find, and hold on for dear life. I think of my great-grandfather, his pipe between his teeth, his faded overalls, the stack of newspapers and National Geographics he had in the basement surrounding his favorite overstuffed chair where he'd smoke and chill out after a day planting corn or whatever. 
he and grandma had been on that farm for years. We would make the hour-long drive to visit them, and they would be there, the same places, the same clothes, my grandmother in her cotton flower print dress, an apron tied around her waist, grandpa smiling his chipped-tooth grin and waving in the driveway as we pulled up. They had a chest of toys in the family room that had been there forever. I remember a large puzzle of the United States, its pieces chunky and solid in my nine-year-old hand, as I'd pull them from the chest and lay them in place on the old wool rug that covered the hardwood floor. Always there. Permanent. I could go away, back to our little town among the cornfields of central Ohio, but we would drive back, and it always smelled the same, felt the same. The antique grandfather clock in the hallway ticked off the seconds, but that old farmhouse seemed to ignore it. Of course, I got older, and so did they. They grew too old to tend the farm, the house, and they moved to a little suburb not far from there. When I was a teenager, I remember visiting them in this space that seemed impossibly small for these old farmers. I wondered how it held them, this little quarter-acre lot with small, simple houses on either side that looked just like theirs. Grandpa's first order of business, of course, was to turn the entire backyard into a perfectly manicured garden of corn, beets, carrots, everything he could fit in there. Grandma still canned it all, storing it up for winter. Their surroundings had changed, but they would be damned if they'd go through a winter without tasting summer string beans, as they always had, preserved and packed in jars, stacked up and labeled in the pantry. It would never exactly be summer eating beans from a jar, but it was pretty doggone close. Permanence. It's what we all strive for, and yet it's something we know we can never achieve. Not, not for long, anyway. That grandfather clock keeps ticking, like our hearts, like the neurons in our brains that give us thoughts and preserve our dreams and regrets. The seasons come and they go out of our control. Change is good. You go first. But the memories of the people we love, those who made us what we are, like the string beans, the corn, the beets of summer, they're stored through our winters, giving us comfort when we open the lid and taste the light and air of a summer afternoon, not really that long ago, where the ground was solid and unmoving, and an old farmer stood in the driveway with his wife and waved as we drove away. world is hard on a woman, they say Hollywood is harder You'll get a few good years And you'll shed a lot of tears When the windows close Well, keep a stiff upper lip And be on your way You got a lot of yourself to barter And there's another bus load Coming down the road And on and on it goes I saw Lillian Gish in a dream one night in a dress of fresh-pressed cotton. Not a line on her face, a hair out of place. She was beautiful and young. She was reading me her lines in the bright sunlight from a movie I'd long forgotten. 
Her eyes would roll, but there wasn't much soul as the words rolled off her tongue. Lillian left a long time ago. She sent for a car and she left for good. Took her last long look at Hollywood. Lillian left a long time ago. The silver screen is a young girl's dream, and pretty is always gonna steal the scene. Saw Lillian Gish in a play one night in her twilight years one autumn. There were lines on her face, and dignity and grace in the part she had to play. Yeah, Hollywood had long since cast her aside, and she almost hit rock bottom. But she was made for that role, and there was so much soul on the stage that day. What do you do when they say you're through? Your whole life lay before you. Along comes a day you got something real to say, and the world starts to ignore you. Lillian left a long time ago. She sent for a car and she left for good. Took her last long look at Hollywood. Lillian left a long time ago. The silver screen is a young girl's dream, but pretty doesn't always steal the scene. The world is hard on a woman, they say. Hollywood is harder. You get a few good years and you shed a lot of tears when the windows close. Get another facelift and be on your way. You got a lot of yourself to barter. And there's another bus load coming down the road, and on and on it goes. On and on. This episode of Resisting Enlightenment is brought to you by a guy named Steve from Utica, Ohio. Also by Blue Hortense Press, whose new book, My Life in Scales, the autobiography of New Jersey's first female fish scraper by Anne Cram Deslin, is in a few bookstores this Tuesday night at 625. Also by Dimming Lamplight Pictures, whose new film, What Are You Doing in Here?, starring Clay Aiken, Nigel Tufnell, and Mindy Kaling's sister Amber, is in theaters Friday. And also by listeners like you. 
who we know aren't the passive kind of listener who just sits there. You take charge. You figure out how that podcast app works. You subscribe to it. Your favorite podcast, this one. And you give us five juicy stars and you tell your friends. Thank you. at a benefit for women in downtown Los Angeles, ages 29 to 50, saving tatas from disease. I looked around, it hit me why I felt so ill at ease. These folks were all just mannequins in various degrees. I scanned the crowd and marveled at this desperate march toward fame Except for two brunettes I saw these gals all look the same Their noses pinched and pointy, their eyes turned up in squints Their lips all poofed and pouty and their cheekbones raised with stents Their skin buffed up and shiny, not one line around their eyes Their eyebrows arched and painted in perpetual surprise a lovely woman with no trace of silicone she sat down in the corner silent and alone i made my way to greet her past the hall and down the stairs past puffy lips and lipoed hips and empty botox glares i made her laugh at something and something looked just right i said it's nice to meet you someone real is here tonight actress but now she just plays dead high definition exhibition ain't for me she said but i'll play somebody's grandma every now and then for kicks good roles are hard to get at the ripe old age of 36 Well, when it comes to making small talk, I've less stamina than most. So I left the party early, drifting through them like a ghost. Still their faces haunted me as I crawled into bed. I slipped into a nightmare that made me shake with dread. Saw a mighty crowd of women, they all had the same blank face. And they multiplied like spiders, making up a whole new race. Some men were standing with them. They too possessed the mark And they fell right in behind them As the troubled skies grew dark And they laughed at me and all my friends Who scorned the surgeon's knife And anyone who dares reveal The telltale lines of life and the queen stood there among them Their leader so it seemed Her irritating voice would lead The chanting as I dreamed We'll all look like Joan Rivers when we're done DuPont and collagen, the same joker grin. Never feeling at home in their own skin. We'll all look like Joan Rivers when we're done. We'll all look like Joan Rivers when we're done. We'll all look
Well, I hope you enjoyed a few songs there about uh, change and impermanence and how we try to deal with them. Uh, the song Lillian is uh, I don't know, one of my favorite songs I've ever written. I've never performed it live. It's uh, available on my limited edition Prince album, available at unhitched.com. The song before that was another happy song. Uh, which is on uh, the new Good Old Days album, I believe. And um, that has some fun players on it. I just love the bounce of that song. Uh, some great Nashville session players. Um, Eddie Bears on drums. Um, Michael Rhodes on bass. And Matt Rollins on piano. Just a, uh, just a fun song. And then, uh, of course, we had uh, Joan Rivers there. Uh, the last song that you heard. Well, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hang in there if you're going through change and finding it a little bit difficult, because as we all know, it will change again. This too shall pass, I think, is the phrase that we often say to each other when we're going through crap. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be okay, and uh, we get through this stuff together. As usual, find out anything about me, my music, my artwork, my books, the events I uh, host with my wife, Dina Lynn. Uh, like the Nashville field trip, as well as uh, Woodflock that we do every year on Memorial Day weekend at unhitched.com. Thanks for listening. Take care of each other and use your powers for good. I'm Ansie McLean, and I'll see you next time on Resisting Enlightenment. The Amish are having problems.